is all fantastic because, folks, welcome to another episode of Not Another Film Podcast. This is the podcast where we take movies we used to love as kids and we re-examine them in the harsh, sobering light of 2019. And today... We're going back to basics. The end game is over, and we are back in our natural habitat. Talking about movies from our childhood today, we're talking about the year 2000 Disney Channel original movie hit, The Phantom of the Megaplex. Yeah, Haas and, and canned laughter. <laughs> oh my gosh, here to talk about the, this this uh, wayward phantom, I have two lovely co-hosts. Uh, first off, I have Miss Lauren Thompson. How are you doing today? I'm good. I would like to dedicate this episode to all of the theater workers that had to work so long during Endgame this weekend. Absolutely. And I have Mr. Eric Eilerson. How are you doing? I'm doing great. And that was their job. Yes, and I am Ian Gears, and we are here I'm to saying, say... It looked like they were having a rough Those time. Those poor guys. We went to see it out in the suburbs, and the pure despair in all of their eyes. I felt so bad. Oh yeah. my god. It, them. I mean, truly, this one goes out to the unsung heroes. This one goes out to the people that aren't wearing spandex. Mm. The people that don't have uh, uh, apparent superpowers, but the people that have to endure... The stupidity of everyone else, and that is people that work at the movie theater. We <laughs> so seriously, you. thank you for your service. Uh, but uh, today, uh, yeah, let's let's dive into this because when we first chose this movie, kind of last minute, mm-hmm. I was th- so. I guess I want to start by saying this was one of my ride or die. Disney movies. Ian's Dis- talked about this many a time. Yeah. Ian's like when brought we, up this movie many, many times. When we came up with the idea for the podcast, you used this to like pitch it to us. Like, guys, Phantom of the Megaplex, that's it. I can die happy. Exactly. <laughs> and it took us almost a year. Over a year. <laughs> Over there. a year. I want to say, we did center stage and drumline before we got to this. Oh, We did line. Thor before we got to this. <laughs> yeah. Um... And yeah, and and I'm I'm very happy to be revisiting this movie. Uh, we'll see if you guys are. Uh, there's really no real trivia because it's a Disney Channel movie. There, so there are no box office schematics. I can't tell you how many people watched this when it first premiered. Um, Ian, get get it together. I need you to like call people. I need you to get Disney on the phone and get this. Our listeners <laughs> want to know. So would you say that you're nine 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 nine? Hey Walt, you up? <laughs> That's exactly it. See, I I feel like the trivia for this just has us Phantom of the Mega Perplexed. Oh, fuck you. Um, (laughs) So this movie was written by uh, Stu Krieger, one writer. That's a fake name. That's a fake name. (laughs) It could be, but Stu Krieger's got a lot of films to his credit. Uh, Doesn't make it any less of a fake name. (laughs) He did a little movie that we definitely, uh, we definitely probably will do, will definitely maybe do on this podcast, in addition to the movie Definitely Maybe, uh, (laughs) called The Land Before Time. (gasps) Oh! Ever fucking heard of it? Oh my god, bona fide, we can't, it's a bona fide fucking golden classic. Wait, the OG Land Before Time? OG Land Before Time. Oh shit. He also did the Polly Shore movie In the Army Now. He also did a few episodes of uh, the Spielberg produced Amazing Stories, which is coming back this year. And oh, yeah. okay. he did A Troll in Central Park. <laughs> Way to lead with Land Before Time. (laughs) (laughs) He also did All Dogs Go to Heaven. Uh, Oh, okay. That was a big one. Yeah. I'll end slightly strong. I just remember that scared the shit out of me because the dog goes, surprise. 
surprise and pulls out a watch when he's in heaven and goes back to earth, but also hell kind of exists in that movie. It's very um, scary. Yeah, like some dogs to go to hell and they're hellhounds. I feel like this is a good time to point out I have never seen this movie and I am alarmed. You've never seen all dogs go to heaven? No. Man, they it do. is sad. Um, yeah, but I am comforted to know that all dogs do go to heaven. Poor Charlie. And two. As well. Yeah, and three. There's like five of these fucking movies. Well, it was 18 Land Before Time. Stu Krieger just kept, he didn't know he was making. I know, good for him, man. He's, He's a J.J. Abrams of animated kids <laughs> movies. <laughs> and this movie was directed by uh, someone who I would like to induct into the Not Another Film Podcast Hall of Fame, Mr. Blair Tro, who directed a movie we did very early on called Wish Upon a Star. Oh! Well done, sir! Welcome! Blair! Welcome back. Spoiler alert for my feelings. Two out of two. Just like, great job. Great, bam, bam. Great fucking work, man. Uh, you know how to direct a movie like a 10-year-old for a 10-year-old. He did. <laughs> he knows his audience, and he goes for it. All right, so we start out this film uh, the way all great Disney Channel movies start out, with a voiceover. Yep. Uh, and an Ocean's 8 start, or Ocean's 11, sorry. Yeah, style. really. Voice you get over. your new age Ocean's out of my house. <laughs> This is an Ocean's 12 house. Oh, whoa. Uh, yeah, no, not really. I don't think any house is an Ocean's 12 house. Uh, Vincent Cassell's house is an Ocean's Probably the Ocean's one that Brad Pitt house. bought with the money from Ocean's 12, isn't that it? That's about it. That's, That's fair. Ocean's That's 12 fair. 12 house, yeah. Okay, um, so. Starts with a voiceover from Pete Riley, our protagonist, who looks I've like. I've already forgotten his name. Every other teenage white kid from the year 2000. Wait, Pete Riley? His name is Pete Riley. Like Pat Riley, the coach of the Heat? <laughs> At the time of this movie? Yes. Hey, wait, is Stu Ryger just a Heat fan? Like Bill O'Reilly, the uh, the incendiary news show host. Ooh. Wow, I, I think it's... I'm, I, so I had, I had never seen this movie before today. Sure. Also, I finished this movie 20 minutes ago. Sure. Um, As you always should for this podcast. That's yes. the ideal way to do this. So I had, I had never seen this, and I just watched it in the last 24 hours total... And I had already forgotten his last name. Yeah, Pete I Riley. never knew it, guys. I I'll, never knew it. I'll last be honest. Name. I don't know any of the other, uh, his, the rest of his horde of family. <laughs> I don't know any of their names, but no. I know that they're the the Riley clan. Yeah. Um, but he does have a cool. The voiceover is a fun way to start because it's very much like, "Hey guys, I'm a protagonist. Yeah. Here's what's going on in my life." Okay, and our protagonist, uh, Pete. The big struggle with Pete is he he works too hard. He works himself to the bone. He works at this he's movie theater. He's 17 years old, which seems like he's ancient for a Disney Channel original protagonist. Yeah. That's true. I That's will say true. usually Disney Channel original protagonists uh, average around 13, 14. Yeah, like they're in eighth grade. They're, they're, they're about to go to high school. Like yeah, that's the big like, thing. The fact that he's a high schooler is wild. And this one is legit. He's, he's debating whether or not he wants to go to college or stay in his hometown and become the general manager of a megaplex. Yeah. That's... That's the stakes of the movie. Yeah, because yeah. he's too. Because he's like, I'm at my job too much that I really like. Which, like, good for him. He found something he likes to do. That's what I'm saying. There's no. There's, there's nothing wrong with finding like, a vocation that makes you happy. I find this problem to be so fucking selfish on the mom's part because she's like. I'm just out getting good dick all the time, yeah. so no one can babysit. Yeah, my murderous <laughs> new boyfriend. Who <laughs> is also an English teacher. Yeah. Uh, but, but she's like, like a great dude. So my son's going to go to college soon, and I wish he'd not work and be as responsible as he is so he can hang. The mom is pretty much like, Pete, you work too hard. You work so hard that you're eating an entire box of cereal out of a mixing bowl like a 
fucking savage. Now I need you to sit here and play with your goddamn younger kid, uh, uh, brother and sister, while I go out and get this good dick, and you just fucking live your life. And that's it. Don't she, go to work. I would like to point out she gets many opportunities to get the dick, and she never does. So she, she must have other motivation. She turns that dick down. Yeah, she, she does. She turns it down many times. Well, until the very end. That's right. Yeah. No, they stay and see the movie. Oh, yeah. Well, They why? do not go. They get engaged, and then instead of while they have an empty house to celebrate their engagement, they stay and watch a midnight movie. I mean, wouldn't you want to? It's the biggest premiere. Also, okay, we'll get all, to all yeah. of the, the okay, problems I have with the crew. Yeah. Uh, Where is this movie set? Uh, I don't know. Cleveland? It's set in, like, the same... <laughs> <laughs> it's set in the same... Nondescript. I'm sorry. Our cat is having a giant sneezing fit right now, and my dog is looking at him petrified. Um, so the the movie starts in it's one of those dying. one of those nondescript suburbs, very much like Big Fat Liar or mm. like uh, literally any other Disney Channel movie. It could be set in California. It looks vaguely California y. It could be, but it's definitely the suburbs. Oh, for and sure. the only yeah. reason I know this is because the movie theater is jam fucking packed. Yes, on a Saturday night. All what? they're doing. No, it's a Thursday night. It's a Thursday it's night? It's a Thursday night. They what? Say, they outright say it is a Thursday night. Don't they have school? I have no, no it's the summer. No, it's the summer. It's the summer. It's the they summer. say it at the end. Oh, shit. Well, then every night's Saturday night. It's the summer between his junior and senior year of high school. And it is a Thursday night. Where else are all the high school kids going to go and get fingered? That's so true. <laughs> Guys and girls alike. Um, they're not gonna get fingered with all of these uh, theater nannies walking around. Like, yeah, what the fuck is that? Is that, that okay. was never a thing. Hold on, we gotta get to that. We so, gotta get to there's that. There's so much to discuss. There's so much to discuss. Dense. So, uh, so, uh, well, fuck. We totally skipped over the first question. Uh, Lauren, do you remember the first time you saw this movie at all? Uh, no. It's one of those movies that I saw so many times on the Disney Channel. It's just always existed in my brain. There was never a time that I can remember that I I didn't know this movie. Uh, so no clue. Yeah. Literally no clue. Eric, do you? This yeah. is your first time. my first time, and I don't, the thing is, I watched Disney Channel so fucking much as a kid, and I watched Eddie's Million Dollar Cook-Off at least 11 times. How did you miss this? I missed this every time it was on, See, I have no I, idea how. I sought this out. I checked on the TV guide back when it used to come in a little magazine booklet. Oh, I yeah. would check. You were waiting at the mailbox. I legit was, though. I was that. So, okay. The little brother in this movie is a character. This whole family speaks in film references to movies that do not exist. Okay, those Only are all fake movies, right? This is an movies. alternate universe where the movie, like, the movie landscape <laughs> is exclusively genre films. It's picks. just genre <laughs> films. It's like, Mom, it's like that scene in Giant B versus the Space Bus. <laughs> where the, you know, the surfer guy says, cowabunga dude, remember? And he's just got to live his life. And that's what you got to do by getting that good dick, ma. <laughs> and, like, it's crazy. These kids are obsessed with two things. Genre movies and getting their mom hitched. Holy shit. I've never seen a family more on board to get their mother remarried. And I'm and it's funny, I was watching this and having such flashbacks to Smart House and being like because it's a complete opposite of Smart House. That kid doesn't do shit and he doesn't want his dad to get married again. Like he's so anti all this and this kid's like I'm gonna go to work all the time. Get fucked mom but like in a good way. Well, because he wasn't the only person that lost someone, Ben! <laughs> <laughs> this movie doesn't hold a candle to that acting moment. This movie, they mention they mention their dad like one time as like the only feature of their dad is that he loved movies. They legit just at one point just like 
Do you ever miss our dead dad? And it's like, I miss how your dead dad used to like movies. Yeah, I miss how our dead dad used to like movies, too. Maybe that's why I work in a movie theater. Yeah, like the classic DCOM dead dad music starts playing, like, immediately. (laughs) That's the music from from the end of this past episode of Game of Thrones. (laughs) (laughs) Which I saw someone online was, like, convinced was an instrumental cover of Purple Rain. (laughs) They were, like, willing to fight over it. They're like, this is an instrumental cover of Purple Rain. Purple Rain's of Castamere. Exactly. But, um, yes, uh, so I was very much, I I liked this movie a lot. More so than that, though, was I I felt so fucking seen by this movie, Mm -hmm. man. I was that little brother. I always talked in references to movies. My little Ah, the past. Ah, the past. It's nothing has changed as we listen to this podcast about movies that we started. Is it because your dead dad works in a movie theater? My dad is very much alive, but my dad loves movies. (laughs) (laughs) And when I too. Uh, My sister worked in a movie theater. Did she? I always wanted to work in a movie theater. Because of shit like this. I'm kind of amazed, actually, that you never did. I never did. You seem like the number one person in my life that I would expect to work in a movie theater. I honestly think what it is, is if I worked in a movie theater, I would enjoy it too much. I'd rise in the ranks to assistant manager really fast. <laughs> and then ultimately, I'd be really happy just kind of living the rest of my days working at the Regal 13 You'd end up solving a mystery of who the Phantom of the Megaplex was, and then you'd be vaulted to success. And well, frankly, yeah. still probably be pretty dense. Yeah, and it, you know, that's the big thing. Is I needed a job that would get me to lose some fucking weight. That's why I was a waiter and like a bunch of like other shit like that all the time. And then actor. But I have unlimited access to red vines. You're telling me that no matter what happens at the end of the night, there are trash bags full of buttered popcorn that just go out to the trash. Well, have I got a mattress I can stuff them in? That's what it is. Is If I was a mob boss, I would not be stuffing money in my mattress. I would be stuffing popcorn from the day before, which legit happened. I remember seeing... Okay, go with me on this journey. I remember... I'm so ready. I'm I got so many stories based on this. Uh, my sister got my, because whenever she was working, she could kind of be like, yeah, you know, if you come towards the end of my shift, I can usually get you guys in for free to a movie. Hell yeah. So my mom and I used to do that all the time. And I remember we saw like Without a Paddle or some like shitty movie from the early Hell yeah, Without a Paddle. And it was like, and Which we went sounds like the a movie that would exist in this movie universe. Yeah, it but does. it's but it's like Former Brown or whatever. It's like a Former kids movie. That's <laughs> yeah. so you're saying. Your uh, so we, I, movies. yeah, we'd sneak into movies, and then my sister would come in. She'd be like, "Did you bring like a large Ziploc bag?" And I'd be like, "What is this for?" <laughs> and I eventually I started doing it, and she would come back in with a huge Ziploc bag full of popcorn because she's like, "We can't give away the paper bags that the popcorn comes in, but if you give us a container." We can just give you free popcorn because we're throwing it all out at the end of the night anyway. So I would go and just like watch movies all day and just like eat free popcorn Ziploc bag. And sometimes it was so hot and the butter was so hot, it would melt through the plastic. These are all fun <laughs> stories. <laughs> yo, yo, here's the thing. There's no way we're not trying this this summer by going to the latest show we can at that movie theater with four screens and be like, hey, Guys, high schooler. I know, I know you're throwing away your popcorn. Just fucking give me some I of this I fucking popcorn. know your secrets. I know. I just need, I need this and I need a box of fucking snow caps. Stat. Inject it into my fucking veins. And mix them together like in Whiplash. My red veins. Oh, God. Um, so, yeah. So, this movie really spoke to an experience that I lived. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the... Like, no, but Pete would never give away free popcorn. Pete's a fucking cuck, okay? I hate this kid. <laughs> this kid, 
Pete is way too cool to give away popcorn. He would never. No, burn. he's not too no, cool no, to give away he? popcorn. He's too lame to give away popcorn. Yes. Who's the guy that's too? Who's the rule guy? That's Ricky Rules. Fucking Ricky. <laughs> Ricky Rules. Fucking Ricky doesn't rule. I'll say. So Ricky do you want to? Do you want to run through the dirty dozen of of ancillary <laughs> I characters? That I could. <laughs> so I'll give you some of the names. Pete of Riley, coach of the Miami Heat. <laughs> Start. Um, Ricky Rules. There is Ricky Rules. Ricky Rules is somebody who always <laughs> obeys the rules. That's his one characteristic. Yep. Anyone else? Question, question mark. Question mark, yes. So so what is question mark like, Lauren? Describe. Um, every time that you tell him to do something, he has a million questions in return. And I would like to say that I particularly felt very seen because I feel like I am question mark many times. You you felt like you were question mark? Yes. I feel like I was question mark, maybe? I do. Am I question He'd be great at improv. This kid, what, no, that fucking kid would be <laughs> eliminated. He'd be thrown off the island. Um, okay. I just like uh, clarity, when you were asking me to perform a task, I would like to know how to do it correctly. Yeah, because that's what yeah. question uh, mark is. Racy Lacy. Racy Lacy. Also, can we just say that the one, I think the only not white person the in this person movie has the word race in her name. Wow, good, good pull. Yeah. I was, I was like, gonna say that it's a sexualized name, but that's a yeah, better Yeah, and also point. she's the only Asian woman in this movie, and she's a sexualized name. Okay, so what's, Eric, what, what is the defining characteristic of Racy Lacey? It's not what you would think. She's fast. B- but in what way? Uh, like, like physically quick. Yes, she is like, physically she, She's quick. not a fast girl, like in Greece or whatever. So yeah, since she talks quickly, and she runs around a lot. Some of these nicknames <laughs> rhyme. Some of them are alliterative. Some of them are an object or, or, or you know, a piece of punctuation. Question mark Question is a pun, yeah. They all rise to the level of their name. Racy Lacey, and the fact that her name isn't like Lacey Lightning or something like mm-hmm. that, is truthfully, you're asking for somebody to think this is a sexual like yeah. idea. Mm-hmm. I just don't get it. I just don't get it. Yep. Um, and then there's the two girls that look like they could be the same girl in different makeup. Which I want to posit that they are. Um, <laughs> one of them is Scary Terry. <laughs> Scary Terry, S- yep. Scary Terry is obsessed with death. She definitely shops at Hot Topic. But yep. all of her, she's not necessarily obsessed with death. She's just obsessed with like Halloween-y type things. And like, like, she's like, one of her stories is like, and then everyone fainted. Yeah, she's obsessed with urban legends. Yes, yeah. yes, really it's urban that legends. And badly. Yes. <laughs> that all thoughts, end in death. And none of them are really that scary though. But it's no. like she could pick anything in terms of like, oh, one time I went to Home Depot and there I saw somebody walking up a ladder. I never saw him walk down. <laughs> like, it's like, what the fuck? What's <laughs> it? It's like, like, Terry. That's really scary, Terry. Did you need to tell me that story? Mm-hmm. It's like, mm, yeah, I did. Because if I don't talk for longer than 30 seconds, I implode. <laughs> and then who's the other one? I'm terrified of silence. Uh, there's Hillary Honey, which is a bad name. Oh my God. This was the weirdest shit Please, uh, let's get into this, because I, yes, I have I don't the, understand. Hillary Honey is so, because you, you get the character intro, it's her literally saying, like, oh, honey, go do this thing, and and the voiceover says, yeah, she's like a grandma of the group, and- <clears throat> In it, a teenage body. In a teenage body, which, honestly, I thought she literally might have been. Yes. Because the performance is so unnerving, and so odd, <laughs> and it's Disney weirdness. And is she- every line is ADR'd. Yes! <laughs> What Every line badly. is ADR. This is the, this is the worst ADR What did that girl's actual voice sound like? Because I'm convinced that we never heard her real voice at any I'm point. I'm convinced no. she was doing she was doing some sort of vocal choice, and at some point the director, Honey. Blair Trow, <laughs> yeah, she was like that. She was the witch from Snow White. Honey, so have you cleaned up that popcorn? Like they decided they they decided they'd ADR it from day one and just never told her. They're like, what if you do a really bad Hillary Swank impression? This whole movie. <laughs> oh, she also has too many berets in her hair. Yeah. 
But like, she sort of talks like this the whole time, right, sweetie? It's, uh, hey, honey, uh, why don't you come over here and I'll uh, pop your zit for you. Like, like <laughs> who is this person? And you know what? Here's another thing. I'm from what is considered the South. Anyone who's my age or younger calling me honey or sweetie, get fucked. Yeah, I, you're not, do I not would like be it. so fucking patronized by her. I would be so mad. She seems so nice. Like, at one point, a scared, you know, mom who, like, Pete Riley's mom, Sans getting that dick, shows up at the movie theater and is like, Hillary, honey, I need you to find my son, Pete. It's me, Mrs. Riley. And she goes, oh, hey, Mrs. R. Like, you fucking don't know me. Don't call me sweetie, you 16-year-old. Why don't you get back to sweeping that popcorn and dusting off all of this marquee shit and you get the fuck out of here. You get the fuck out of here. I want want the R-rated version of this movie, like, directed by Judd Apatow. Yeah. Yeah. So there are those characters. There's also the projectionist, the only Jew in the movie, named Merle. Merle. Uh, Merle has no defining characteristics except for the fact that he probably doesn't smell great. And he's angry all the time. Yeah. yeah, He's he's set up to be an obvious suspect. No one respects what I do. Yeah. He's the Um, usual suspect. Yeah, he's the only person, which, uh, God love this guy, he's the only person that seems to care about uh, film projection Mm -hmm. in an increasingly digital age. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's another Disney Channel movie that I'd like to see. He's angry because he knows he's becoming obsolete. Yeah, Yeah. that's his big thing. And he's also perennially overworked. It's a whole thing. Why are you all worried about the popcorn while I'm staring into oblivion? Which is why this dude is dead. Like, the fact that we don't get one shot of him, like, getting stoned behind the movie theater. So like, don't worry. what's happening? I'll go start glimpses of Genevieve in two seconds. (laughs) Glimpses of Genevieve! That's not a, that's that's not a softcore porn. That is one hundred percent a softcore porn. It's blurry because it legally has. That to. is it the was sold out. of this universe. <laughs> oh, yeah, I was thinking it was the revolutionary road of this universe. Uh, I was like, why are there so many people here sold out in a sold out showing of glimpses of Genevieve? And then you realize, oh wait, it's a Thursday night in Cleveland. Every showing is sold out. <laughs> <laughs> University of Death is sold out. Blackout is sold out. Cyclone Summer is sold out. Clearly the Heat aren't playing because he's working at the movie theater. (laughs) (laughs) He hasn't discovered his love of basketball yet. He's like, oh shit, I mean, my dead dad really loved movies, but my dead grandfather really loved basketball. What do I do? (laughs) Watch Coach Carter. Space Jam. (laughs) (laughs) Better. Better. Um, Then there are two more characters, correct? Yes, there is um, McGavin, who is the, uh, the, the... General manager, or the manager. A.K.A. the only one with a motive. (laughs) The only one with a motive, because he wants the general manager position from the head of the movie chain named Mr. Niedermeyer. And Mr. Niedermeyer at the very beginning of the movie. Mr. AMC. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, But John Bukes Regal over here telling you. (laughs) Yeah. Man, uh, telling him that uh, his son-in-law is going to be general manager. Yeah, his son-in-law is going to be general manager. Which I'm like. Yeah, which he discusses in a in a Gilfaison esque one sided phone call, <laughs> which made me so happy. Ian, can you recreate this phone call for us? Real oh, quick? absolutely! It's hello, Mr. Niedermeyer. Yes, the premiere is about to happen tonight. Oh well, I just wanted to ask you about the general manager position. Your son? No, I totally agree. Your son would be best fit for this. I should go fuck myself and quietly die. <laughs> Oh, you want me to fuck Movie Mason? Then quietly die. <laughs> oh, 
okay, I will. Toodaloo. And then they're like, hey, what's wrong? And he's like, nothing. You heard the entire conversation. He had this, he had this conversation in front of every assembled employee that he had to give the briefing for the evening. As he was doing his, like, you know those, those, those videos that come out of the Walmart managers before Black Friday when they're, like, up on the cashier stands? Like, he's addressing his troops. Yes, because today is the day of this big premiere that is going to be at the movie theater because it's the setting of one of the events that it's the movie was the movie was shot in this town. Yes, so the premiere is going to be there um, at midnight, but there's a regular night of theater leading up to that. So you have them operating this huge night of theater that's happening, and a bunch of people are coming in because basically a bunch of people are going to try to sneak into the. Premiere yeah. by just being in the movie theater. Yeah, at like a midnight? bunch of fucking sane human beings. You know I would have we, done the exact same thing. You know, what we never age. see at this movie theater any security people. You know who also? Oh, there's the theater nanny. That one woman, the, the theater nanny. One theater nanny who does nothing. <laughs> yeah, the, the Chicago Saints that have run this ever, theater. What is a theater nanny? Have you guys ever experienced? No, but this? she should have been played by um uh oh uh, wow well, oh what's her face on the West Wing um Allison Janney. Uh, Allison Janney. No, no, the the secretary, uh, Mrs. Lanningham. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I, I feel like she oh. she was always getting beat up for roles by that actress. Yeah. For a second, when I because I remember the theater nanny was in here, and my brain automatically went to, oh shit, I forgot. B. Arthur plays the theater <laughs> nanny, and then I was like, oh wait, that doesn't look like B. Arthur at all. No, it's just, it's just but as a child, you're like, older lady. You're my golden girl. Um, so so yeah, so there's this movie theater that's happening, and then we forget the most. Uh, important character in this movie, arguably. The heart of this movie? The heart of the movie um, is a crazy old man that lives in the sewers (laughs) of this movie theater named Movie Mason, who is played with a plume by (laughs) Mickey fucking Rooney. (laughs) Mickey Rooney's in this movie! Remember, of of Breakfast at Tiffany fame, Mickey Rooney. Is in this movie. And also has some horrible ADR. Yeah. Well, yeah, because he can't talk louder than when a whisper. He, when he sings, this movie's being made. When he's singing for people. I would like to point out, this was my introduction to Mickey Rooney. Me too. I did not know who Mickey Hard Rooney same. was until this movie. And then when I saw him in other movies, I was like, what is Movie Mason doing in, this, <laughs> oh, no. in these fucking movies? Oh, no. So you know what, Phantom of the Megaplex? You did a good job at teaching me about some uh, Golden Age Hollywood stars. Okay, so Ian, break down for us just who Movie Mason is because I'm still confused about what his deal is. Okay, so this movie theater uh, was built in the 20s. The first movie it ever showed was the, uh, the Lon Chaney uh, Phantom, of the, of the, Phantom of the Opera, excuse me. Um, um, <laughs> And and it was owned by Movie Mason's family. Then there was a uh, a horrible accident where half the theater like exploded and collapsed or something. And there's a legend that there was somebody trapped underneath the theater, and they may still be down there. So the new giant Regal AMC fuck palace that was built there. I would um, kill to watch Regal AMC fuck palace. <laughs> I mean, I feel like when when we get to the content wars of the of the twenty of twenty twenty four, when when Star Wars is done and Marvel is done and Game of Thrones has completed its reign, and we just at that point go and we watch like, do you want to go see Disney presents Disney or Amazon presents Amazon? They both show up as a kaiju and a Jaeger and they fight each other to the death within the fuck palace. Yeah, but you gotta see it in XD because if you don't, then you can't. Hear the movie! 
And but where's Movie Pass? Oh, uh, <laughs> uh, Movie Pass and Stubs have like made up, and they're like on vacation somewhere. Nobody's getting free movies anymore. Um, again, guys, the content wars—they're happening. <laughs> we'll give you a free AOL demo disc if you come back to Movie Pass. <laughs> come back to Movie Pass. And this $5 Taco Bell coupon. <laughs> Do you ever get those emails that are still like, Hey, Eric, we noticed you canceled your movie pass subscription. What if we threw in this loofah and bar of soap? Is that going to make you want to get back on movie pass? <laughs> it's like a newspaper boy that's looking at the internet being like, No! No, me! <laughs> like, AMC has already come back in with, like, A-list and is like, no, we fixed you. No! I was original! I was somebody! <laughs> I know how to get the kids back. How would you like two weeks free of serious XM radio? <laughs> like, <laughs> oh my gosh, you're about two years too late. <laughs> you ever heard about Howard Stern? <laughs> I hear he's quite hot these days. Look, let, let's talk about this over dinner. Are you a fan of Mongolian barbecue? Let me take you to a Mongolian barbecue restaurant. You get three dollars off if you cover the ballet. <laughs> we'll give you five percent off the melting pot. <laughs> oh, Let me get you a dip certificate to a little place called Starbucks Cafe. <laughs> oh man, you got a good point, Movie Pass. <laughs> Look, Movie Pass. I moved on. I'm with Stubbs. I can't do it. Stubbs pulls up in a Ferrari. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you want to go see Endgame for free? <laughs> it's like, hey, I got to go with Stubbs. All right. All right. Well, you could go see that. Or you could go see The Intruder starring Dennis Quaid and Megan Good. What are you doing on the third Thursday of the month at 2 a.m.? <laughs> I'll see what I can do. Movie pass. I can't sneak around with you at 2 a.m. anymore. But it's the only time I'm awake. <laughs> Endgame in two months if you do this firewalk for me. Hey, I, I know you've already seen Hotel Artemis, but what what if I could get you in again? What if I could get you in again? I didn't like it the first time. What if I could get you in again? <laughs> we used to have fun. We used to remember that Oscar season? Yeah. We were together all the time and you were awesome. You were so down to have fun, but then you changed. You got oh, weird, oh, man. Oh, though, but if you come back, I can get a 24-hour SD rental of Ghana. <laughs> you know, if you use me on a Tuesday, you can still see Bohemian Rhapsody. <laughs> but, on but on the Chinese version, that's gay stuff. <laughs> it's an hour and ten minutes long, and it's just the scenes at the end. But we've cut out all of the winks and knowing looks. <laughs> So it's a better movie. Um, anyway, let's get back to it. Movie Mason. Love me! <laughs> movie Mason is a... I think a... Movie Mason is the personification of Movie Pass. I mean, kind of. Just still lurking in the basement. Here's my schedule. Uh, this goes in the trash. This does not benefit me, Movie Pass. Honestly, the... So Movie Mason is a uh, vagrant. He is. Yes. <laughs> he I is. don't think he ever showers because I think he lives at the movie theater. He's he has, a homeless man that he, hangs around children. He has one outfit and it is a full tuxedo. You okay? Movie Mason strikes again. Megaplex strikes again. I just fucking died. Okay. Uh. Well, all right. If you come out to Movie Pass, I'll get you a draw of water. <laughs> <laughs> you know, if you want, I can get you into a showing of Water for Elephants. If that's if that's still a thing. What if I get you into movies that came out five years ago? Will somebody be my fucking friend? Uh, movie Mason. Uh, we find out later on in the movie. 
lives beneath the movie theater pretty much. Yep. Yes. Um, and raids the prop storage from the 20s. Raids the prop storage. He <laughs> lives off of popcorn and cherry soda. Um, <laughs> he has not brushed his teeth in 17 years. Yes. He does not have any family. He seems. definitely has scurvy. Um. All of his family seems to be dead. Uh, he seems to also be fucking supermodels, though. Um, yeah. Yeah. That are either his fuck buddy or his niece? Like, <laughs> or, or what I really think it was, was like she, like the woman at the end, the big movie star was there for the premiere that vouches for Movie Mason. I was like, are you kidding? Movie Mason's my best friend. Whatever. I guarantee she's someone who found him wandering away from the home one day, like crossing the mm-hmm. street. I was like, hey, you need some help, old man? And he's like, I need to get to the 7.30 showing of the Cider House rules. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, all right, well, we'll get you there, old man. Don't worry. And he's like, you're so beautiful. You should be an actor. You should be in pictures. You, you should, should be, be in, in the, the movies. And like, and so, yeah, that, that's literally Movie Mason's whole character is he loves movies so much that at any point in time, if you talk to him or ask him about it, he'll go on a monologue He'll sing Hooray for Hollywood when you don't ask him to. He's the worst person to invite to a party. And then when he takes tickets, because he starts working there for five minutes, he will critique your movie choices. Yo, you want to know what, though? When I saw this movie, I was like, one day when I'm a ticket taker, I'm going to do that shit. Yeah. I'm going to tell people, don't go see this movie. This movie sucks. God, I fucking hate you. You should go see this other movie. Dude, I hate my older self. (laughs) (laughs) Because there's still a part of me that wants to do that. That's what this podcast is. Exactly. You just don't have to wait for When I inevitably go see Aladdin on opening day, I'm going to be like, you know, this movie's a piece of hot shit, right? And I'll be like, you came here with me, so shut the fuck up. And I'll be like, yeah, well, I only hear because Movie Pass couldn't get me into a showing of Princess and the Frog at 9.17 a.m. <laughs> <laughs> like, um, so that's pretty much Movie Mason's character. He delivers a schedule to the manager every single week, and the manager always throws it away. Yeah, like in front of him, too. Because I, like, I feel like Movie Mason is the person that they, they've all decided to humor him. Like All the kids that work there, yeah. they like him. He's around, that's fine. Which is horrible. You are enabling an old man (laughs) that happens to have extreme, like, early onset Alzheimer's. Yeah, Yeah. because he's like, I don't need money. I'm just going to stand around here and talk about the movies. How do you eat? Well, I talk to the birds. (laughs) Like, what? (laughs) But, uh, yeah, no, his process for giving them his schedule and working at the movie theater feels a lot like temping in a city. (laughs) He's like, cool, I'll send you my availability, and I'd really like to work this week. I'd really like to get paid so I can get some money and, uh, you know, put some food on my uh, my table. And they're just like, cool, thank you. Throw it in the trash. I feel like movie makes... Mason is the Disney Channel movie equivalent of the bird woman and the old scary guy from Home Alone 1 and 2, but we never get any of the, like, but actually parts of those characters. Right. We just get, oh, this is an insane person that should be kept away from children at all costs. Because when they find... When, 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 when the brother and the sister find Mason in the bowels of the theater and straight up ask him, are you the phantom, he doesn't say, no, children. He goes... The thing about movies, kids. Yeah, I know. Like, takes, like, the, the rubber band off his arm from the heroin and he just shut up. And he's like, well, movies are magical. I would never harm the movies. <laughs> and then... Have you ever seen a movie called Nine and a Half Weeks? It's where Mickey Rooney... Not Mickey Rooney, Mickey Rourke. I'm Mickey Rooney. Fucks his way through Paris. <laughs> just like I did. Well, that's the last tango in Paris. Never mind. Um, but yeah. Um, yeah, so that's all the characters, and now we can start the movie. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so Midnight Mayhem is having its midnight premiere, uh, you know, like all major motion pictures have that are not premiering at, like, South By or something mm-hmm. like that, at this movie theater in the middle of probably Cleveland. Yeah. Um, and 
they're trying to get this place in tip-top shape, and luckily they're Pete, doing a terrible job. Well, that's it's it's easy to do a terrible job when literally your entire staff is made up of people under the age of sixteen. Then don't give a fuck. Why would they? <laughs> they shouldn't. Even Pete is like, I am just here for the money. I am here for the cold hard case. As he says, he only has this job because girls want dudes who make money, and he's trying to <coughs> make them bucks just to keep up. Yeah. So, okay, I, I do want to mention this, because he says, like, I got this girl I like and her friend tickets to an earlier movie and then tickets into the premiere right. tonight. Totally reasonable. Solid dude. You're using that pull. Good for you, you know. But he, then this bully shows up, as they are wont to do in Disney films. His name is Donnie, and he's gross. And he's definitely, like, he's like the dude from um, uh, I'll Be Home for Christmas. Yeah, he's like the dude from Brink. Um, I would like to point out that in retrospect, every Disney Channel original movie villain always seems like they want to fuck the protagonist. More so than they want to fuck the woman that the protagonist is interested in. It always comes off like they really want to bang the protagonist. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, hey, Pete. (laughs) I didn't see you at this theater. Maybe you should get Christy and I some uh, refills on our cherry cokes. And I'll meet you in the handicap stall later. Handicap stall's the only uh, one big enough for my three-inch dick. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe you should uh, bend over to pick up that popcorn really fucking slow. Maybe you should continue to (laughs) whack these gumballs into this garbage can (laughs) with a fucking hockey stick. God, I'd love to see you work that stick. (laughs) How do you feel about gay sex? (laughs) (laughs) Wait a minute, are we talking gay sex? Because Val wants to get in on this. (laughs) Val uh, from the Brink episode. I want to see too. Call me by your name. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, you want to see Call Me by Your Name? Do you? <laughs> no. <laughs> no movie pass. No. No, we already, we already did that twice. Movie pass. I know you want to see Call Me by Your Name, but wouldn't you like to see the movie that is just as good that was produced by Movie Pass, also called Of Gods and Monsters, <laughs> starring John David Washington about a cop who gets shot. <laughs> Um, it's essentially call me by your name if you change everything about it. <laughs> but, uh, Someone's getting penetrated by something. Oh, wow. It is, it's a bullet. <laughs> oh my god. Did somebody say penetrate? Val, you're back. Brink. He's never gone. He never left us. Um, Val, Val, the best character that we've ever talked about on this podcast, never left us. I bet us. Val and Brink would go fuck each other yeah. at that Megaplex. Val, Val Powerbottom is there for the premiere. <laughs> Val and Brink are having a beautiful life right now. They they are they are Farmer Brown. Um, yeah. <laughs> I told you to not leave the car. But um, anyway, <laughs> <laughs> God, we need to get into more of this movie. But there's so much. There's Val, so much. I told you we can't use Movie Pass. I called by your name. But it's supposed to work. What am I supposed to do? Lube up and use my Stubbs card like a fucking dick? <laughs> Oh, come on, I don't like when you get angry like that. Let's go skating. <laughs> All right, we get one quick round of skating in, and then we're at this theater, and we are watching Mamma Mia 2. Here we go again. <laughs> I love you. If I don't hear Fernando, sung by Cher, I will fucking come in my pants. <laughs> and I don't want to do that, because that's what you're here for, Prince. <laughs> No, you don't beat up my gum. <laughs> For anyone who's not listened to our Brink episode, I'm sorry. <laughs> Disney um, Channel, it's a family. Um, yeah, so the bully ends up coming with the, the girl that he likes and her friend. Well, and, and yeah, and Pete makes a comment early on where he's like, 
Like, I gotta make sure, like, essentially, I've gotta babysit this girl I like, because if Donnie gets a chance to lay on his slick charm, she's gonna fuck him. And it's like, really? If that, if you're so worried that the girl you like is gonna fuck this gross dude that has probably done horrible things to people younger than the age of 14, like, then maybe she she's it. not the one you're supposed to be She ain't with. it. She also only has, like, two lines in this entire movie. <clears throat> yeah, and one of them is about how much she likes bow ties. And maybe she just wants to watch a movie with her friend. Dude, she should have ended up with Movie Mason if she liked bow ties. Because you know who has a giant bow tie collection? Movie Mason. <laughs> and not Puka Shell Fuckboy or Pat Riley. <laughs> um, okay, so we've got that laid out. There's a little brother and a little sister. Little sister wants to go see a movie called University of Death with a group of friends that I'm assuming she has never hung out with before. Because yeah. I they, assume like the she, popular girls that are like, oh, we're all going to go see University of Death, you little bitch. And oh, she's going to be like, I want to be a slut too. That's what I thought it was too. <laughs> yeah. Because I was like, when she's <laughs> when she's like in the movie and they're like, oh, you would never say anything like that. Or like, you'd never do this dare in the middle of a movie. And then she turns around and like the girl stands and she goes, my name is Kate Riley and I love boys. And like, <laughs> like, that's like, well, if you didn't know your friend would do that, how well do you know your yeah, friends? It's gotta be like, this is her first time to hang out with the popular girls. Yeah. That's, which yeah. I feel is also a very Disney trip. That's definitely the vibe that I get. Well, and I like that though. I do like that, honestly, because yeah. she's such a fucking cinephile and weird movie nerd. Because yeah. she's also like, mom, it's like this scene in this movie. Mom, it's like this and that. Which I did all the time and annoyed my family with constantly and was called out for it my entire life. As yeah. you should be. As I should be. Um, yeah, she's totally gonna get to college and like find her like clique of of cinephile film nerds and be awesome. Yeah, and it's gonna be great. And then they have a younger brother who, um, oh my god, I need to find this kid's name. Sorry, the younger brother, played by Jacob Smith. He looks a little like Winona Ryder and a little like Will from Stranger Things. Oh my god, and he does. He, yeah, Jacob Smith. Also, welcome to the Not Another Film Podcast what? Hall of Fame. You were Kirsten Dunst's younger brother that started the whole epidemic in Small Soldiers. Oh, I never saw that movie. Oh, man, what a great film. I wow. was not on that episode, <clears throat> and I have no idea what that movie's about. Um, Small Soldiers. Oh, uh, that's right, yes. But, so yes, so he loves movies even more. And there's a whole thing going on where the sister wants to go see this horror film with the popular girls so she can be initiated into, like, the skull and bones of this middle school that she's that she's in. And the little brother wants to go see a movie called Farmer Brown because he's got to write his star-length review of it in his little comp book, which is... I'm sorry, this is what I did when I was <laughs> his age, not what he does. That's this what Ian still does to this day. Thank you, Letterboxd. Um, <laughs> plug. plug. Strong plug for Letterboxd. Um... So, yeah, and so the mom makes a deal where she's like, all right, look, you guys want me to go out with Alan and get proposed to tonight so much, then guess what, sister? You got to take the little brother to go see Farmer Brown. I'm going to go get some of that sweet dick action for my English teacher boyfriend that's definitely not a serial killer, <laughs> and we will come and pick you up after the movie. No, done. they say that he's going to bring them home on his dinner break. Oh, yeah, because he gets a dinner break? Also, with enough time to, like, drive home from a movie theater and get... Back? Because it's a suburb movie theater, which means it's at least a 15-minute drive. You know what I can't stand doing on my dinner break? Driving? Anything but eating dinner. It's my dinner break. Mm -hmm. Don't get me to do this shit, Mom. You got a car. You go get him. Or call a cab. Sorry. Yeah. I'm not doing that shit for you. I'm not your lackey. I'm Pete Riley, and I'm going to be running this Megaplex in two years. That's right. Yeah. yeah. 
So, but that all falls apart anyway. So that gets all of our major players to the movie theater on the night of. Things are chaos immediately. Because half the fucking staff calls out. Yeah, because they want to go to the premiere. <laughs> yeah, and the fact that they're all not fired on the spot is insane. Yeah, because McGreevy or McGrady or whatever. McGruber. McGruber doesn't know how to uh, rally group people together uh, to do it makes It just made me wonder, like, what were the St. Crispian Day speeches that were given to movie theater staffs before Endgame came out? Oh. <laughs> I would give so much money. You will be swarmed them. with people. Your hands will be burnt with popcorn. <laughs> Your fingers sticky with soda. You will be spoiled for this movie before you get to see it. <laughs> That is why we will have one showing at 2 a.m. on Wednesday. Are you sure you don't want to come see it at 3.15 p.m. <laughs> next Friday? No movie pass! Be gone! Endgame will be ruined by then. <laughs> hey, set movie pass! Hey, set him! I can't get you I'm into Endgame, but I can get you into Infinity War. <laughs> now. Um, I can't get you into Endgame, but I can get you into the room next to Endgame so you can vaguely hear it through the walls. <laughs> What's showing in that room? Oh, it's nothing. It's a broom closet, but I can get you in. I can get you in the room. <laughs> um, I just need you to pay $40 a month. So what's the first thing that happens to where we're like, oh, the Phantom of the Megaplex strikes again? I literally have no idea. I don't remember, and okay. I saw it today. It was the, the lights going out, or was it... Uh, the, pop, the The gumball. Yes. Oh yeah, the gumball. No, 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 that was not the Phantom no, he just of the Megaplex. That was, uh, that was a that kid was being an idiot. No, but then the kid blames it on the Phantom of the Megaplex. Oh. So he goes to get the little kid. Uh, is like he just broke a thing. It's like I want to get a gumball, and the little sister, who's one of those twelve-year-olds that also looks like she's thirty. Yeah, it's weird. Mm -hmm. It's weird. Um, but she also looks very much like the girl that the uh, that Pete wants to get with. Yeah, she does fine work. Um, but she, she's a fine actor. Um, yeah, uh, but my eyes were definitely replacing her with the sister from Smart House and Brink. Oh my she god! She looks yes. like she she looks like the actress who plays Jan in the Brady Bunch movies. Yes. Um, okay. Uh, you mean uh, uh, it's not Anna Faris? No, in the Brady Bunch movies, it's um uh uh oh my gosh, why am I blanking? You're thinking of um the woman from Dodgeball and yes. Zoolander, yes. Uh, 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 Christine something or other. Yes. Uh, no, no, she plays Marsha. Yeah. Oh, yes, 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 you're right. Marsha, Marsha, Marsha. Marsha, 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 not, not sure Jan. Jan. Yeah, sorry, no, she looks like Marsha. Is it Marsha, Marsha, right. Marsha, or Sure Jan? Because I, I got confused because she's in the gif that says Sure Jan, but she's not actually Jan. She's talking to Jan. Okay. You're right, though. She looks like Marsha. Gotcha. <clears throat> gotcha, gotcha, um, gotcha. So, he goes to get a gumball, thing falls off, all these gumballs fly out, um... And the bull or the bully and trying to uh, shove the piece yeah. of plastic back on while he's trying to, I guess, like coerce this little kid into sleeping with him. It's like, hey, little baby Pete, <laughs> why don't I put this piece of plastic back in the plastic hole? And then you'll have to, you know, maybe tell your brother that I'm a cool guy. I'm just going to shove this fucking plastic back in the bowl. And then all the gumballs fly out. And then Pratt falls galore. And then he. So, oh my God, the amount of falling in this movie. <laughs> oh my God. Pure fun. Where is this movie? To which, to which the little kid says the first of many times, the Phantom of the Megaplex strikes again. This kid is blaming everything in this movie on this Phantom. And guess who's the one constant that is always there when shit goes wrong? This little this fucking, fucking kid. kid. Yeah. The fact He's this just kid a was shitty never kid. considered. <laughs> Definitely should have been a suspect. It's bullshit. So, in order to deal with this, Pete Riley, like, fucking cool guy Pete Riley goes, like, steals a hockey stick from a display, 
First of all, there would not be real hockey sticks. Uh, a functioning hockey that is cardboard. Yeah. That is definitely cardboard. Picks up a hockey stick from a display, goes over, starts using it and and flinging gumballs into a uh, like into the trash the can. The trash can that they knock over and then he he, he kicks he uh, he hits the gumballs into the trash can yeah. and with people the hockey are, stick. People but the thing are, is there are I would say hundreds of gumballs, and he's hitting them one at a time to look cool. And but people, people are, are cheering; they are cheering louder than the Miami Heat when LeBron's on it. That's what well, they didn't have. They didn't have smartphones, so they're like, "Oh my God, something happening!" They don't well, even they're have certainly a smart not going to see their movies tonight, so <laughs> <No>. <laughs> they may as well be entertained while they can. And I was infuriated seeing this because if I was in a movie theater and this shit was happening, I would fucking riot. Yep. Um, the, the, also, the people who are at this movie theater as patrons are either always cheering in joy or they are actively about to start a citywide riot. They are out for... Lauren, this is probably Cleveland. There's not yeah, a lot else Cleveland's to do. Weird. The line to get into the movie theater is like down the escalator and out, which is crazy. Well, that's because Movie Mason's doing everyone a service by telling them not to go see shitty new Aladdin. They are movie. actively yelling up to the front of the line that they can't get in faster, despite the fact that the line's <laughs> actually moving pretty fucking fast. Oh, yeah. It's also, get to your movies early. There's no assigned seating at this point. Yeah, but it is held up because at one point Movie Mason steps in and then has to berate everyone on their movie choices. And he gets fired in front of everyone and humiliated. He never worked there in the first place. Well, that's the thing is he probably forgot that he w never worked there in the first yes. place, uh, unfortunately. Right. This is very sad. It's very sad. It's very sad. There's a whole reading of Movie Mason that is a goddamn tragedy. It is. But he, so he's over there, the first, so the gumball thing happens, and that is only the first of, like, the hijinks that eventually keep happening throughout the night. Yeah, little brother and sister keep hopping from theater to theater, because she's watching University of Blood, um, and he's, he's watching Farmer Brown, the worst movie I've ever seen, and she's trying to check on him, uh, like, periodically, and then she goes back to her seat in, in her theater, and then her friends are all like, you're not hardcore, I know you're not hardcore, yeah. um, and then they dare the one girl to stand up and be like, I like boys! Uh, which is the worst thing in the world. And somebody keeps shushing them, rightfully. I yeah. feel like Farmer Brown is the prequel or sequel to Simple Jack from Tropic Thunder. <laughs> oh, my God, I want these to exist in the same universe so fucking badly, guys. It's so funny and so true. <laughs> I wonder what Movie Mason thought about that. Because Movie Mason and that kid seem to be kindred spirits. So I wonder if like the kid was just like, I'm going to see Farmer Brown. And Movie Mason's like, don't go see Farmer Brown. Go see Glimpses of Genevieve. <laughs> it is... And it was like, go, don't go see that. Go see Green Book. It's a movie. Of <laughs> oh my friends. god, Movie Mason would fucking love Green Book. I just kept thinking, movie. I have a bunch of like, like notes on here that are just like, Movie Mason. Movie. One of them is Movie Mason definitely voted for Green Book at the Oscars. Movie <laughs> Mason definitely hates Netflix. Yeah, he's oh one of those diehard yes. like theater like like. You go I also to the feel theater, like he needs this. to kidnap the little brother for what for the ritual, whatever that. <laughs> would be. I don't know what it is. <laughs> now I will become. The movie pass. <laughs> like movie Mason actually was this old in the twenties, but he keeps sacrificing children for their blood. Okay, Absolutely. but uh, that's the thing that I kept thinking watching this movie is <laughs> the Phantom of the Megaplex. This this spirit that lives in the Megaplex that people think that causes these random hijinks. That you know. When you reach to grab a napkin, all the napkins are gone. So you're yeah. like, that must have been that pesky Darren <laughs> Phantom. Like, 
That's that's the A plot of this movie. What we don't realize is several other actual catastrophes are happening around this. One of which is Movie Mason is trying to kill a child to finish the ritual so that he can become the embodiment of Movie Pass. Yes. Um, the second of which is that the mom's uh, uh, soon to be fiance Alan seems to be about to break up with her at this dinner, <laughs> yeah. and then maybe murder her. And then uh, he's like, yeah, fuck it, marry her. Yeah, I guess I'll be a plant. I'll be a potted plant or whatever the hell He is. gives this extended metaphor about how marriage is like plants. Because adults can't just talk about marriage. Not in a Disney movie. Kids don't understand it. It's icky. They're, they also tell her to, like, hint that she wants to get married by saying, like, you should tell him you want to play old maid. Like in that movie, Old Maid. Oh, yeah, God. And then it's like, if yeah. you get him in a deadlock, he'll never be ready for wedlock. Like in that movie. Crushing my spouse. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> this universe is so weird. Like, everything's so literal. Like these kids are basically her like bridge club friends being like, is he gonna do it? <laughs> is he gonna do it, Mitch? Hun, are we gonna play mahjong soon? I'm 16. I'm not getting any younger. <laughs> these kids are unnaturally obsessed with making an honest woman of their mother. <laughs> Mom, you cannot, cannot have any more sex out of wedlock. <laughs> I know you want to get that dick, but we both know you cannot have sex until you marry Alan, because he's a good man. <laughs> and our dad died. Mysteriously. <laughs> Who loved movies. circumstances. Yeah, Movie Mason tried to kill him for the ritual. <laughs> Guys, what if their dad was the Phantom of the Megaplex? What if and their dad started, is actually Movie Mason? He loved movies. Guys, why? What if the ritual went wrong and it catapulted him ahead in time 80 years and turned him into Movie Mason? Oh my god! That would be beautiful. Much better movie. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. So, uh, Sorry, blah, blah, we just blah, looked blah, over blah. and our cat looked like he had a huge revelation about this. <laughs> movie Mason. Um, so right here I have Movie Mason hates Netflix. I would be so uncomfortable around Movie Mason. Is this bully trying to fuck the little brother? Um, uh, 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 uh. Uh, stuff starts going wrong in all of these movie theaters. Yeah, glimpses of Genevieve. Essentially, the focus starts going in and out of focus, so you, so you can, can only get glimpses. You of only Genevieve. see glimpses of Genevieve. What happened in Farmer Brown? Did a bunch of like <laughs> fucking animals went loose? Uh, you know what happened to Farmer Brown? The movie went off without a hitch, and that was the problem of Farmer <laughs> Brown. And they're like, "Oh my god, no! Why couldn't this movie be the one?" <laughs> People are screaming in Farmer Brown. What's happening? Nothing. The movie's that bad. It's playing accurately. So let's do a just quick rundown of everything that happens in the different sabotages of the of the themed movies. Please, stuff. that way we don't need to go into these. Yes. So, okay, so we have glimpses of Genevieve where everything goes out of uh, out of focus. We have um, blackout, blackout where the the theater Light. keep the lights keep going out, uh, including going like including the screen, um, and everyone's screaming about this for some reason. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, there's Cyclone Summer. Cyclone Summer, where there's just a fan set up at the front of the. And people are like, ah, no fan! one saw this fan. A fan. Who set up this fan? And the big one of the big uh, secrets is that a large T-Rex uh, inflatable balloon has gone missing. That was supposed to be there for the premiere. Has gone missing. Also, that clearly must have been taken during the day <laughs> in daylight. <laughs> But also, okay, so this is where I... Okay, spoiler alert. We're going to spoil who the Phantom of the Megaplex is. Get ready. <laughs> it is the only person with a motive in this movie, which is the manager or the assistant... The, the manager. The manager... Uh, I can't remember his name. McGavin? McGrady? McGavin. You know what? The, running, the, the running joke in this movie is that no one can remember his name. 
The problem with that joke is that we don't remember his name. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I do not remember his name. So, uh, he is the Phantom of the Megaplex, and they do a bunch of, they try to do a bunch of red herrings where he goes missing a bunch during the movie. They find him tied up, bound, and gagged, it's like twice, twice, and he uses the same excuse twice. Then he gets yeah. knocked out by a mysterious person. He's like, I was just down here, and then, again, someone came up behind me they and tied me up. I don't know how this fuck? keeps fucking happening They literally to me. keep wondering who who the fuck the Phantom of the Megaplex could be when they're simultaneously talking about they have no idea where this dude is for extended periods of time. So they want you to think at any given point that it is Movie Mason. They want you to think that it's possibly the bully. Yes. They want you to think that it is maybe, like, maybe the the manager. They don't really, they try not to tip their hand too much They that. do, though, big time. They want you to maybe think it's Alan. He is the only <laughs> person with a motive in this theater. Yeah, there's literally nobody else who would He's do the it. only one with, one, the motive, and two, the access to the supplies needed for this. Yeah. He's the only person. And also, like, I, I just... But it also makes no sense because the amount of planning you would have to put into carrying out some of these like events must have been planned like days in advance. Nah, man, day of. This dude's a flirking genius. Well, how the fuck did he do all the balloons? Okay, so also they, all the balloons for the balloon drop are filled with water. When did he do that switch? With allegedly water. Allegedly water, I guess. It could have been other stuff. <laughs> okay, I don't know where you would have gotten that stuff at short notice, but okay. Um, I was there. Could have been a bunch of semen. <laughs> God, no, what the fuck? I genuinely you felt guys like, need to like these balloons. you're at a I'm movie theater. Like Why the aren't only... those water balloons filled with like Diet Coke or something? But he only yeah. has the inspiration to to carry out these acts of vandalism like 20 minutes before they start, and yet he would have needed to like get these supplies ready. Days in advance. He's flying by the seat of his cuffs. I really think that there is an alternate uh, understanding of this movie where he's really just doing it, trying to get the movie premiere to go viral. Dude, that's what I said. This this dude, we think, and everybody else thinks he is ruining this movie premiere. No, scratch that. He is introducing the world to immersive cinema experience. He created XD. This is what movies are in or the what future. Is that Shit. What is that called? Is it XD? 4D. He created 4D. Yeah. Yeah. X, X, the D-Box. Yes. <laughs> because, like, my, my confusion on that was, like, this guy's plan. He's eating his promotion. So yeah. he just wants to, like, be angry. Mm -hmm. Whereas, the same plan could work if instead of duct taping himself to a door or whatever the fuck, <laughs> all the other stuff goes off. And then he shows up as the hero, knowing how to fix it all. And then he gets to keep his job and get the promotion. Exactly. If he had just fixed everything, he would have looked amazing because that's exactly what happens to the protagonist of the movie at the end of this movie. Like, it's so, like, it's so, it's such a simple thing that instead of getting vengeance, you can still make your boss look like an asshole, but you become the savior and get what you actually want. Obviously what this movie is about, it's where this movie is at the fulcrum of the past and the future of movie going experience where Pete Riley wants to keep us in the past. He, you know, he wants to stop all of this new amazing technology mm -hmm. from happening. These incredible new feats of immersive theater that are being combined with cinema. He wants to go back to, you go, you passively watch a movie. You maybe finger or get fingered by someone during the course of the 
film, and and that's it. And you leave, and Farmer Brown happened. But See, fuck it. But he, the I Phantom, the Phantom is a fucking visionary. He's yeah, an auteur. He, he wants you to go in. He wants you to feel the wind of the cyclone. He wants a movie that's called Glimpses of Genevieve to give you that same instance of oh well, maybe I saw, maybe I didn't see that guy. You know what? This, the Phantom of the Megaplex would have loved last week's episode of Game of Thrones. He would have been like, yes, this is what war is like. I can't see anything. <laughs> wait, wait, could, would they call me by your name, just be you sitting down and just being like, Ian! Yeah. Ian! Movie pass. I, movie pass. I can't go back. Would just be a bunch of megaphone just calling each moviegoer's name individually. That's the next, that's the next level of movie two pass. Hours, if, if you Ian! It, Eric! <laughs> Lauren! Lewin! Martin! It's just a roll call of everyone in the theater. If you stayed on Movie Pass, and anybody else who's still on Movie Pass, please get at me with it and tell me this information's right. Because now you're only allowed to see a movie once in theaters. If you go see for all those times when that didn't matter, and you could go see a movie as many times as you wanted, which great. I did, and I saw Phantom Thread three times on Movie Pass. Yeah. With all of that, are they gonna start asking you to like pay back those other times? Like <laughs> Uh, I mean, we really want you to come see these movies, but we also noticed that you saw Lady Bird four times in theaters, so uh, I'm going to need 21 bucks back for those, for those three times you saw Lady Bird. So, uh, also, can you tell me where I can go see a movie three times for 21 bucks in Chicago? I'd love to be there. The new 400, baby. <laughs> Bam. Um, but yeah, so, so that's pretty much what happens. The little sister and little brother decide to take matters into their own hands, and they're going to go down uh, to, to try and find... Where the, the to the basement of the okay, movie theater? Okay, 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 okay. And this is okay, where I'm gonna okay, throw it okay, to Lauren. Okay, okay, these stairs. <laughs> so they go down to the basement of this. Okay, they start on the main floor, and then they go down conservatively twenty floors below the earth. Yep. <laughs> they are nearing the core of the earth. And who lives near the core of the earth? Um, movie Mason! Movie Mason! How is Movie Mason alive going up that many flights of stairs Up and down, day? continuously. Yeah, cardio. He's gone up and down so many times. And blood of and the blood of the youth. That's looks, the only way! Looks great for his age. He looks pretty great. Um, yeah, no, it's wild. And then they, uh, yeah, so I just was blown away by how many fucking stairs were in this movie. It was a lot. It was baffling because they just kept going back How up and down. How deep into the ground does this movie <clears throat> theater go? Yeah, and Movie Mason's like little like setup beneath the theater looks kind of like the room that Annabelle is in in the Conjuring films. <laughs> like everything could be haunted. <laughs> right. Everything probably is. Yeah, and it's just astonishing that Movie Mason like gets caught down there, and they say you're the Phantom, and his initial response to two children that find an old man. In the bowels of the earth isn't, <laughs> no, I'm actually a safe person. Yeah. It's, I'm a safe person. <laughs> like, it's, this is well, my here's home. Here's the story of the movies. <laughs> Listen as I breathe and talk to you. Hold on, I want to read this to you, Eric. Please uh, do. This is the monologue, Movie Mason. <gasps> oh my god, please read yes! it. Yes! dramatic Mason reading, please. Imagine there are two wide-eyed children that are very scared right now. Yeah, yeah, one of them's about to pee his pants, and you are in a room full of clowns and other props. <laughs> yep. And the Annabelle doll is in the left yes. corner. When we arrive in this world, magic is all around us. What? You simply have to see a baby discover a butterfly. <gasps> Or a toddler splash in the bath for the first time. The fuck. <laughs> How is he watching a toddler smash? <laughs> is this, wait, is this him telling us his family died? Like, okay, never mind. Oh my god. Yet, as the years pass, simple pleasures aren't quite so simple to find. Myths and legends fall away. Santa's secrets are revealed. 
card tricks lose their fascination. Wait, there, there's one secret to Santa. It's not multiple. It's literally just the one that doesn't exist. Does <laughs> Willie Mason still believe in Santa, but there's multiple secrets? I believe in all of his secrets. The only thing I believe now is just that he's there watching me. <laughs> you've, heard, you've heard all his affairs? <laughs> True wonder is hard to come by, but there's always magic at the movies. Pirate ships, bicycles that fly, angels that earn their wings, Beautiful women marry handsome men, and we all learn there's but no place like home. beautiful women never marry other beautiful women, and handsome men never marry other men. Not in the year 2000. Not, not, and certainly not people of different colors. Not no. in 1822 when I was born. <laughs> to destroy that magic, to shatter those moments to me, is a sin! <laughs> so grave it would almost be incomprehensible! If there truly is a phantom, my friends, I assure you, it most definitely is not me. And now, he shall rise. <laughs> he shall rise. And the award for best picture goes to Green Book. <laughs> like, yeah. like, legit, what an insane answer. <laughs> and in my mind, Mickey Rooney improvised that whole monologue. <laughs> yeah, in the script it was like, no. I think the line was just at the end, if there truly is a phantom, it's not me. Like, yeah. that's it. And he's like, no. Do you mind if we do one where I just riff a bit? You can cut my tap dance, but I just want to riff. Because, you know, I'm Mickey Rooney. I'm Mickey fucking Rooney. I've seen a lot. You fucking dweebs. Have you seen <laughs> Breakfast at Tiffany's? Okay, never mind. Not a great example right now. But Racy Lacy, don't see it. <laughs> Racy Lacy, no, not a good time. But one day I lived in your shoes. Oh, like, God. Um, that's pretty much it. When the, the premiere happens, everybody shows up. The, the movie stars are pissed because they have to sit in their cars for 30 minutes. Um, and the manager immediately starts talking to the movie stars like he owns the place. <laughs> yeah. And the, a giant inflatable T-Rex starts blowing up uh, and really getting, <coughs> and, and getting large. People are like, wow, this is pretty awesome. What a cool, immersive piece of theater that's happening. In the theater and then it blocks the, the exit, so they'll die. Yeah, and then there's like a, a giant inflatable King Kong. There's like an inflatable, mm -hmm. there's, and the only way to do it is there's this like stupid sword, I'm sorry, not sword, a MacGuffin that's been there since <laughs> the beginning that you get the sword and he's literally jumps on t Pete Riley, coach the Miami Heat, uh, <laughs> jumps on top of <laughs> This T-Rex balloon and just starts stabbing, stabbing it. it. Just stabbing down. And he's using a sword, I guess, that can actually puncture and stab. I'm concerned because once that starts deflating, it is it is it's You're falling on top of people. On top of people, you are stabbing people. He this, is gonna stab people. This scene yeah. set up, uh, I just want to point out the exact same way, with the exception of the giant T-Rex, but a movie theater <laughs> lock-in is also used a few years later in Quentin Tarantino's Inglorious Bastards, possibly stolen from Phantom of the Megaplex. <laughs> Um, Valid point. And, uh, and, and executed to a much greater degree of success in that movie. Um, yeah. And, yeah, that's pretty much it. The premiere goes off without a hitch once they discover that uh, it's, it's the Phantom. The family reunites. Everybody's happy now. Pete gets offered a job for to become the new manager at 17 years old. To make more money and more hours and have it essentially. Probably has insurance. Well, it's 2000, so he's got health insurance. Yeah, that's pretty good. 17-year-old with health insurance. You could buy a house in like three years in Cleveland with that, probably. Truthfully, though, it's like, do you want to stick around here and become, and, and, and be me? Yeah, and like, the glorious no, end of this movie, like, the lesson he's learned is like, you know what? 
I just want to bum around and fuck my girlfriend. I just want to start dating this woman. Yay! I'm gonna spend some time with my little, with my, with my (coughs) kid brother and sister. Oh, that's the one thing we didn't mention. At one point, they go up to the roof to try and find the phantom. Oh yeah. And the phantom is there, and he puts a bag over all three of them and ties them up on the roof of a (laughs) building. And then at the end, when we discover that it's the manager. At, at like the post premiere party, the fucking <coughs> like star or director of Midnight Mayhem comes over to him and he's like, "Imagine Phantom of the Megaplex. It's a movie. You come out to L.A. We'll pitch this whole thing together." How is that man, the manager, not in fucking handcuffs? Cleveland, weird man. Cleveland man. Bigger shit to deal with. <laughs> That's true. If we stopped every time a white guy pretended to be a phantom and tied up a bunch of people in a megaplex, we wouldn't get anything done. Exactly. Yep. Yeah. So, uh, and then mom gets uh, her proposal. She's like, I'm going to, uh, Mickey Rooney says, we need a movie theater ending. Or someone says they need a movie theater no, we ending. Need a, we need a four-star Hollywood ending. Yeah, and then he's like, I give you a ring. I just always carry these props around. I ran down those 20 flights of stairs <laughs> and back up. That's why my face is so red. <laughs> it's definitely not the Shambuka. <laughs> <laughs> like, and then, yeah, so the, mom, the mom's boyfriend decides that, uh, well, Alan decides that the best place to propose is on a dirty movie theater floor at uh, midnight. In front of everyone. At midnight on a Thursday. Um, <laughs> at a premiere for a everyone. movie they seem to not be that interested With in. With Mickey Rooney breathing down their necks. Mickey Rooney <laughs> n- refusing to leave the frame. Yep. Next to the mom. Like he's like, if I leave this frame, I cease to exist. Then I'm just the movie pass card again. Um, and Rooney, I can't go back to being a card. <laughs> Mickey Rooney also earlier does an entire musical number on the red carpet. <laughs> to hooray for Hollywood. Because people are like joining in and clapping and singing along. And not rightfully going, who the fuck is this person? Why are we humoring this dangerous man? <laughs> <laughs> and that's Phantom of the Megaplex. That's Phantom of the Megaplex, yo. I got a spud gun that I could bring out and shoot. <laughs> oh my god, that's this movie. Oh. Um, again, I have no facts about this film. Uh, all of the people that are in it have gone on to pretty much do some more TV work. Nobody's mm-hmm. really, you know, broken the mold or done anything that crazy besides Mickey my, Rooney being Mickey Rooney. In my Mickey memory, Rooney. the guy that plays Pete, I can't picture his actual face. In my head, he's just the older brother mm-hmm. from Malcolm in the Middle. He's from the Eric Von Denton school of tan blonde kids. Like, yeah. He also <laughs> yeah. looks a little bit like Hayden Christensen with a little bit of a face. He did. There was yeah. definitely some Hayden Christensen. A little bit, of, yeah, like yep. a little bit of a, of a puffier-faced Hayden yep. Christensen. Yeah. Uh, I know we don't have the facts. Do we just want to guess the budget numbers of this movie? Like how, yeah. much it co- how much would this cost to make, do you think? This, I think, is like a... I would say this movie's probably a $100,000 movie. Okay, I was going to say about in the twos, but I think you're right with about 100000 Yeah, I'd say about 100000 100000 Sure. Lauren's like, <laughs> this movie cost $17 <laughs> and a blood oath to movie pass. <laughs> and it made $14 and a shamrock shake. This movie was not paid for in uh, in money. Um, <laughs> this movie was paid for in blood oaths. It was paid for in straight up blood. Um, this movie was paid for in bootlegged scripts. Like <laughs> This movie was paid for in movie pass credit. <laughs> um, I guess, yeah, I guess what I asked you guys. Applebee's gift cards only. <laughs> there's, there's one scene in the movie I really appreciate. The, the scene I felt the most, like, really, really just like, wow, they got it. They, they hit the nail on the head of what it was like to be a, a dense, bored kid in the suburbs <laughs> who loved movies is when the sister is talking to the mom. 
Uh, or no, she's talking on the phone to her friend. And she's like, no, here's the thing. We're going to take my brother to go see the 740 Farmer Brown. That runs 99 minutes. Now, I can go see the University of Blood that starts at 750 because it's only 86 minutes, so we'll get out at the same time. Well, and like starts going into all of those like... Oh, yeah, I've definitely done that. Ocean's oh, yeah. Eleven style like planning of a movie theater, like going yep. to see a movie. And I was like, this is how it's done. Yeah. Thank you, little girl. You're fucking killing it right now. <laughs> I used to do that all the time because at a certain point when I reached the age of like 12... My mom, my sister, and I would go to the movies, like, maybe once a week, maybe once every other week. And it was always like, okay, we all three want to see three different movies. Interesting. So we need to find times for all three of us to be able to go see our movies and get out at the same time. Mm. And, like, that was that was life. That was how we did it. And there were times, I think we've spoken to this before on the podcast, where my sister and I would plan out a whole day, mm-hmm. pay yeah, for one movie too. at like 10.30 in the yep. morning, and jump, and jump from theater to theater to oh, theater. Oh yeah, I've done the four movie a day thing. <laughs> oh, that was yeah. That's how three. I saw the Avengers the first time. That's right. Yeah, yeah. so it's like, there. this culture that this movie is showing... Very real. ...is very real, and I actually think pretty accurately depicted. Yes, yeah. I agree. Like, for as much of like stupidity of the rest of this movie and like the high school dynamics that are complete, yeah, like the movie theater stuff is pretty. The movie pretty theater solid. stuff is super solid and pretty accurate, and for being a movie obsessed uh, person, mm-hmm. like very much, I saw this movie and it wasn't <laughs> like a oh I have to aspire to be like these kids. It was I already <laughs> am like this. I made it. Thank God, kids who are fit have brink, and my fat ass has Phantom of the Megaplex. <laughs> That is validating my obsessive over like, oh, I better check Yahoo Movie Showtime to see how long Jimmy Neutron's running. Yep. <laughs> but yeah. Um, where does this does this rank in your kind of Disney Channel original movie memory oeuvre? Ooh. For somebody who's never seen it and for somebody who has seen it but forgot a lot about it. Um, I mean, for me, it's, it's pretty low just because like... I, didn't, like <laughs> I feel like watching these movies for the first time now... Bad call. Exactly. Yeah, like, it has, it has a nostalgia connection. There's not a nostalgia, and there's not any like any of the people in there that I had known from other projects. Because mm-hmm. like Eddie's Million Dollar Cookoff had Orlando Brown from That's So Raven, so you yeah. had like yeah. a, like the little connections like that helped. And it's not a fucking golden gem like High School Musical was yeah, the first time I saw it. Yeah, and it's not a gem like Brink where like there's there's another movie happening yeah. on top of it where I think Brink Brink for me is the gold standard of these movies where it's mm-hmm. like yeah I have the nostalgia but also like coming back to it now I'm like this is fucking great because there's so much stuff that I didn't see and it's so vivid. Um, I would say this is like right around like like kind of the middle of my estimation. Yeah. Because I never really, it was never my favorite. I would always like want to watch it around Halloween time. Um, well, because it it's so, 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 so spooky. Spooky. Mm-hmm. Um, but I never really loved it. And it's, it, you know, it was fun. But uh, yeah, like middle bottom. Like bottom, like <laughs> middle bottom. Middle bottom? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it's bad. It's, <laughs> it's, I mean, I agree. Like, you you get some, sometimes you rewatch a movie like Smart House and it's like, this is kind of weirdly prescient, like today. Mm-hmm. Um, you watch a movie like Brink and you get like, oh, wow, there's a whole, like, you know, mm-hmm. beautiful homosexual romance that's happening mm-hmm. right before our eyes. I wish we would have leaned into this more. And sometimes you watch this and you go, nope, that's the exact same movie I remember it being. Yeah, there yeah, is exactly. No deeper subtext. And the fact that we are <laughs> indulging movie Mason is uh, is really sad. Yep. <laughs> it's very worrisome, and that man should probably be kept away from children. There it is. Um, so, yeah, it's a light recommend for me, <laughs> <laughs> mainly just because of all the movie shit. I feel like if you watch this movie and you're a big movie, you're a big movie goer, if you were tickled by any of the conversation we had since most of our jokes in this episode were about fucking movie pass, <laughs> then 
Honestly, this may be the decom for you. Yeah, I'm, I'm gonna. I can't recommend it, but I will also agree with what you just said. So yeah, yes and no. I will say like if you watched it and when you were younger and you liked it a lot, I would say it's worth a revisit. But if you've never seen it before, I don't know if there's much in it for you. No, there's there's not there's not. Um, but yeah, like we always do at this time, I would like to throw it over to us if there is a modern analog. To the Phantom of the uh-huh. Megaplex. Uh, Eric, do you have one? I do. Um, this one was tough. Yeah, I struggled with this one I too. started with like, oh, is it going to be about, um, uh, like, is, is it all about movies? Is it all about kids? Because we don't, I, I mean, I don't watch a lot of movies that star kids nowadays. Mm-hmm. Um, but I figured I'd go with a movie that uh, came out last year. It's about, like, it's very capery. It has kids and it has a lot of joy. Um, and it's Paddington 2. <gasps> I yeah, think. baby. I've already recommended that movie like three times. I know. Always there's another one. But Paddington 2, it, it, it's a caper. There's a little bit of like a masked whodunit thing going on, mm-hmm. which is which this movie tries to do. And it has kids actually having agency and um, mm-hmm. having that really light, fun uh, adventure thing to it. So, yeah. Paddington 2. I yeah. like that. I like that choice quite a bit. Uh, Lauren, I'll throw it over to you. Um, I want to give it to another movie that I think is, that is, is also about a bunch, a group of kids and is, is juggling a pretty large ensemble in terms of, of kid actors. Um, it just came out really recently and, um, I think it's really kind of, kind of lovely. Um, and that is Shazam. Oh, yeah! Uh, I went to see it, I think, like, two weeks ago, sure. and I thought it was really lovely. I thought it had really good kid actors that work well with each other. They have a really good family dynamic, and it is so much about, like, it's not about movie, the joy of movies, but it is about rediscovering the joy for, like, the wonder of being a kid <laughs> in uh, a scenario where a lot of that joy and wonder ha- could be taken away. I like that. Yeah. I like that a lot. I like that a lot. Uh, I've got two, one of which is not super new, but it just I kept being reminded of it. One of a really good movie, I think, about loving the movies. That's like a really good send up to film uh, that surprised me and always kind of brings a little tear to my eye whenever I watch it. Uh, it came out a while ago. Is Hugo? Yeah, I really oh, love yeah. Hugo. I think it's a really like delightful kids movie. Uh, Martin Scorsese film came out in twenty eleven. I think yep. something like that. Yeah. Um, and then another movie that came out last year. It's a lot darker, but uh, if we're going with the with the themes of movie Mason and this idea of delusional people uh, that maybe like kind of invest a little bit too much into the lifestyle that they're in, um, uh, there's a movie that came out last year, very Black Swan esque, very you know kind of like that called Madeline's Madeline. Hmm. Uh, it's a mm-hmm. uh, filmmaker uh, named Josephine Decker. Uh, came out last year. She's directed a bunch of other things. But it's about this uh, girl who's played by Helena Howard in an incredible performance. I've never seen her in anything else. I think it's her first movie. Um, and she just plays this girl who has a really hard time like communicating to people and doesn't really know how to uh, interact in public. And she joins like this experimental physical theater troupe in New York. Mm-hmm. And they start adapting her life and her anxieties into a piece of theater, and like the lines get blurred between what's real and what's not. Interesting. It is fucked up and super intense and really, really interesting. I don't know if I liked the movie necessarily, but I was at least very interested by it. Sure, sure, sure. Um, sure. And I enjoyed watching it. <laughs> um, and that performance is excellent. But yeah, that's my take. Cool. Great. Anything we want to plug at this time? Eric, do you have anything coming on the pipe with Utini? Um, yeah, we just started a podcast of our own. Whoop! I know, because I need to talk more about my thoughts. Mm-hmm. Um, it's called The Living Force. It should be on 
everything but iTunes is like in the next day or two, but it's on Stitcher and all that jazz. Um, if you like Star Wars talk and the sound of my voice, go subscribe to that. Fantastic. Can't wait. Lauren, you got anything? Uh, nothing right now. I'm doing some vo- voice work on a couple of narrative podcasts coming up, but nothing that's out right now. Excellent. And I have nothing. So thank you all for listening, folks. We'll you be sure just to... finished writing a show. I just finished writing a show. Hopefully we'll be getting that onto uh, audio formats in the next six months to a year. I mean, it's over 400 pages. It's so. long. It's quite long. Um, uh, very humble brag there. It's quite long. Yeah. Uh, but... Um, yeah, so we'll be we'll be coming at you soon with a lot more of that. But until then, we have plenty of your regularly scheduled nostalgia. We'll be back next week with another episode, um, and we'll be coming at you with plenty of stuff from the three of us this summer when we all venture to the Michigan Shakespeare Festival together. Um, no break in content, because we'll no, all be there. We will all be there, and we'll be coming at you with so many spoiler alert episodes. Hobbs and Shaw. My heart can't <laughs> take it. And hopefully we'll get Cole back for an episode soon. Yes, we will. We yes. will. He's already talked about wanting to do a couple. We're, we're pitching around a couple titles right now. All right. Um, anyway, folks, thank you very much for listening. Please check us out on Instagram at, at Not Another Film Podcast, Facebook at Not Another Film Podcast, Twitter at, at Film Another. We have a Tumblr. We've got, we're on Stitcher. We're on iTunes. We're on SoundCloud. We've got all the best stuff you want. You can uh, let us know what you would like us to review by emailing us at notanotherfilmpodcast.gmail.com or leaving us a review on any of those platforms. Five stars would be preferable to three. And we'll also take reviews. That would be great. Thank you very much for listening, folks. Bye. Want to see my swing dick?